Thank you very much for uh, being here, for uh, the invitation. Uh, I'm uh, going to tell you about uh, this work joint with Honda uh, David, uh, who's uh, at ID, and this is uh, uh, still uh, ongoing work, so uh, your comments and suggestions will be very welcome. Uh, what uh, the, the question uh, uh, of interest uh, for us in this paper is uh, the issue of uh, migration and inequality in the uh, origin countries. Uh, it's a question that uh, has uh, drawn some interest uh, because um, uh, basically there is the view that uh, migration potentially generates uh, very important gains uh, for uh, uh, the populations in, in developing countries and that uh, uh, maybe that uh, migration should be viewed as a, a powerful development tool and so that uh, governments in uh, developing countries should uh, uh, encourage it, uh, support it. Uh, um, uh, but then there is the idea that um, there is a question of knowing who actually benefits from migration and whether the benefits uh, do reach the poorest households in particular. And, uh, and we have some evidence that suggests that this is not really the case and that uh, in particular because there is some uh, positive selection uh, of migration, so positive selection both of migrants and of the households that are able to send migrants, uh, there is some uh, <coughs> so you have this, this positive sele selection uh, which implies that the, the impacts on poverty and uh, on inequality may not be uh, uh, those that uh, that uh, that would that would be uh, wished for or expected, um, and uh, the so, so the, the usual approach to to this question in the literature uh, will be typically to focus on the uh, households uh, in the origin country uh, and to focus on remittances only. So uh, typically to use data for remittances received by the households. And then uh, what people do is to ha ask how these transfers modify the distribution of incomes among these households. And typically what you need to do is uh, to uh, uh, account for some uh, counterfactual uh, in the no migration case so in order to assess a net impact of migration. And so you need some kind of model to estimate uh, the counterfactual earnings uh, uh, in, uh, in this no migration uh, scenario. And then you will compare the observed distribution of incomes with this uh, counterfactual distribution in this no migration world and ask and, and compare the two distributions. Um, and so you have, there is a, a list of papers uh, following this, uh, this uh, approach, and they uh, tend to uh, have mixed results, but uh, uh, some of them at least uh, point to a positive impact on, the, on the inequality, meaning an, an increasing inequality due to, to migration. Um, so I, what we try to do in this paper is to critique this, uh, this methodology. So our, our critique is, is basic idea is to say, okay, so in this approach that I just described, migrants are basically taken out of the picture. 
so what you do is that you, you, you consider migrants as uh, having uh, left the population of interest and you just take into account the remittances that these migrants send and that households receive, but then you don't look at what happens to these migrants, how was their welfare or their level of income uh, modified by migration. Um, and uh, uh, so, so this will not be taken into account. And so our basic argument is to say that um, in particular in contexts of temporary migration, which, is the, which will be the case in the context we, we study here of Egypt, um, it does not, this does not make much sense and we should actually take into account, include the migrants in the computation. Uh, and this would, this would make more sense and this would also allow us to look at a constant population. So in the two scenarios, the actual scenario, the observed <coughs> scenario and the counterfactual non-migration scenario, what if we compare uh, two constant populations with migrants who in one case are at home and the other case are abroad, but uh, who would still, who would, who would, uh, whom we would uh, include uh, in both cases. And so, um, we think this would make more, more, more sense. Uh, another reason to do this is, is that um, the focus on remittances might be too uh, restrictive. Uh, again, in a context of uh, temporary migration, uh, in a context like, uh, like the one in Egypt, um, there is good reason to think that not all um, uh, earnings, uh, I mean, not, not all uh, gains from migration are uh, remitted by migrants, and that you can have some behaviors where migrants will delay uh, remitting, or in some cases they might accumulate savings uh, until they return because the, the the time of the, the, the length of my, uh, I mean the duration of migration is relatively short, a few years in our case. So, in particular, if uh, you have some important uh, transfer costs, then uh, it might be uh, 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 migrants may, may may choose to delay transfers or to accumulate savings and then return with the with this accumulated uh, income and we, there is some evidence that this is uh, occurring in Egypt. So if this is uh, happening, then focusing on remittances only is going to uh, give you only a, a partial view of the overall uh, gains from migration and the overall impact on the um, uh, income and welfare of the, of the population. Uh, and this may also um, bias the view that we have of the impact of inequality. Uh, if if the remitting behavior is not uniform uh, across uh, across migrants, so so this is um, this will be our our um, our, our our argument, and, and this uh, this is the, the approach we will propose instead will be uh, to uh, take this uh, this approach that we label uh, that we. They, we, we refer to this idea of the incompare natural. So it's a paper by Clemens, who argues that basically when assessing uh, the impact of any development policy, we should actually focus on incompare natural and not on incompare resident, uh, meaning that we should actually take into account the welfare and the impact of any policy on the welfare of uh, migrants, uh, of, of people who are temporarily abroad, and not only on residents of the country. So uh, this, I think we, 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 we argue that this makes sense in, in, in the particular uh, context here. 
And so once we take this approach uh, based on Newton natural, we are going to do uh, use the same um, methodology. So basically, use a model to estimate the counterfactual earnings of migrants if they have not left. Uh, and then doing this, we will again compare these two scenarios and we will uh, do this at two levels. First, at the level of the individual levels of migrants themselves. Focusing on migrants, we are going to, to look at how their earnings are modified by migration. So how much did they gain, basically, from migration, and how are these gains distributed in this population of the migrants? Uh, and then um, we are going to uh, look at the household level, um, defining households, as I said, a bit differently. So defining, um, looking at, uh, so to say, uh, constant perimeter households. Okay? And again, looking at this level, uh, at this unit of observation, how is income per capita in these households uh, impacted by migration? And again, how are the gains uh, distributed? Um, so we are going to, um, to, uh, to do this in several steps, trying to decompose the impact on inequality. Uh, basically, you have two components to the migration inequality impact. First, you have the selection that I already mentioned. So where do migrants come from in the, in the population, in the distribution? Uh, and then, once selection has occurred, among the population of, migrant, of migrants, how are the gains distributed? Um, and this will uh, be related to the returns to skills, in particular, both at home and uh, abroad. Uh, and so we are going to um, decompose these, these two components because we have data that allow us to do this because we have panel data, so we can look both at um, uh, migrants and, and, and migrant households before migration has actually occurred so that we can look where is, the, where is migration more prevalent, who is more likely to send a migrant. And then after migration has occurred, we can look at the impact uh, uh, on income and we can look both at the short-term impact, so focusing on remittances only, and at what we call medium-term impact, so a few years later after uh, uh, the departure of migrants. Uh, and so we'll be able to also uh, distinguish between these, uh, these two uh, uh, timelines. Um, and uh, uh, the, the main results are that when looking at the individual levels or among migrants themselves, uh, we find that the returns to migration are larger for low-wage earners, uh, so that inequality decreases uh, in this population. This is specific to the context of Egypt, where uh, I'll tell you more in a minute, but basically the migration in Egypt is, is in majority uh, short-term migration to, uh, to, world, uh, to the Gulf countries. Uh, where people go for a few years to work in uh, essentially low-skill occupations. So uh, migrants are actually uh, pretty educated. I mean, uh, many are, uh, are, uh, are skilled, uh, have a middle or high uh, level education, but they still end up doing low-skill occupations so that, so to say, uh, skill transferability is pretty low. The skill, the effective skill premium is actually low uh, at destination. Uh, 
And this is the reason for uh, this result, is for the fact that the returns to migration are, are, are actually uh, uh, larger for the low-wage earners because basically everybody ends up with uh, pretty similar uh, wage levels at destination. So this this effect tends to decrease uh, inequality, effectively. Um, but uh, then the the selection the, the selection of migrants is, is positive and tends to increase inequality. And so when looking at, at the household level, the results are. Uh, ambiguous and depend on the methodology uh, we use. So when we use the, the, the this, this classic, uh, the, the, the traditional approach in the literature, focusing on stayers only and focusing only on the impact of remittances, we find an increase of inequality. So um, consistently with the literature. But then when we use instead our approach based on income per natural, so including migrants in the definition of the household then the gains are much larger and then we uh, we find a, a decrease a decreasing impact on, uh, on inequality and then if i have time i'll show you also results for panel regressions which confirm that the, there is a medium term impact uh, on the on the income of uh, at the household level that's uh, that tends to increase uh, tends to decrease inequality um, so yeah, I, I, I told you a bit about this, this literature, that, that, that the, the one we are closer, closest to is one on inequality, uh, with this methodology that we tend to uh, depart from. And more generally, you have recent papers looking at uh, trying to quantify the impact on the remittances, also the macro level, and who tend to find actually pretty relatively small uh, impacts when once uh, accounting for uh, the counterfactuals, the ones uh, assessing the estimated net gains from these transfers. Uh, and so, again, one possible explanation for this type of result is that uh, not all benefits from migration are, are short-term in the form of remittances, and maybe we, we, we need to look also at a, at a bit uh, more the medium term. Um, Okay, let me move to the to the context and the data. So, um, as I told you, the majority of migration in Egypt is temporary, and in any case, in our data, we are going to focus on temporary migrants because this is household data in Egypt. So, the data we have on migrants is actually from questions asked to the household. So, it means that uh, households report on migrants that they still consider to be members of the house of the household. So. This rules out uh, permanent or, or very long-term uh, migration. So, so we'll be focusing on this particular type of migration, which is essentially composed of men, young men going to typically Gulf countries uh, to work there for a few years. Um, and uh, so, so the, 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 the data is, uh, is is a household, a panel of households. Uh, uh, representative uh, for for Egypt population uh, with uh, this um, this panel structure that we will, will allow us to I look at households both before and after migration has actually uh, taken place uh, and with uh, an attrition rate that's reasonably low so that uh, we can actually uh, use this uh, this dimension it actually makes sense. Um, 
and again, uh, all migrants that we are observing are household members that are uh, temporarily or who, that who used to be abroad, uh, but uh, eventually are supposed to, to return at some point. Uh, so as I told you, it's uh, essentially uh, men, uh, young, and uh, relatively, uh, relatively high levels of education. The, the main destinations are, are, are these countries, so either Gulf countries or uh, Middle East countries, uh, Libya is also an important destination. And as I told you, the, the, the set of occupations and sectors that uh, migrants end up in is relatively uh, uh, narrow, and uh, the majority uh, work in construction, um, and then some in agriculture, and uh, it's, it's a very um, formalized system of immigration where, as you may know, uh, uh, people need to actually apply for permits before going and then once they are there they are very much tied to their employer so that once, once their, um, their labor contracts ends actually their, um, their, their permit to stay is tied to the contract so it ends uh, generally at the same time uh, and so they go for a few years and here is the seven years uh, these figures would be shorter if, if focusing on Gulf countries only, it's typically four or five years in the, in the Gulf uh, region. Um, one important point about the data is that, as you probably uh, understood, we are going to use data on earnings abroad of migrants. This is what allows us to do this exercise of including the migrants in the computation and including their earnings beyond uh, remittances. Uh, and then uh, an obvious question is, is about the reliability of this data because we are using uh, uh, data declared, reported by the households on uh, how much the migrants earn uh, abroad. And so you, you, you can uh, uh, question uh, the reliability of this. You can think that maybe people don't have uh, perfectly reliable information. Maybe migrants do not want to report exactly how much they earn, etc. What um, these, these concerns are real, but what is uh, reassuring to us is that in the particular context of Egypt, as I said, the set of destinations is relatively uh, restricted, the set of occupations too. So basically, uh, people from, in particular, from a given locality tend to go all to the same country and perform pretty much the same occupations there, which means that uh, information uh, tends to flow relatively uh, efficiently uh, back to the families so that families probably have a good, are able to gather some pretty good information on what are the actual wages abroad and how actually people, uh, how much people are actually able to, uh, to earn uh, abroad. So we have, we have some anecdotal evidence of this. And then to, to check a bit more about this, what we did is that we, we gathered data from the, one of the main destination countries, which is Jordan. Uh, we took the labor force survey data for this country and looked at the data for Egyptian migrants there and compared the data for the, the earnings of these guys to the reported earnings by the household in, in, uh, in, in Egypt. So of course we cannot match them at the individual level, but what we can look at is the, compare the distributions, the two distributions, 
and they are pretty similar. So uh, for uh, so this is for 2012 for the, for both datasets and basically converting the, the earnings, we get a very similar level distribution, very similar uh, uh, bounds of the distribution. Uh, which tends to to indicate that there is no overall uh, massive uh, underreporting of earnings, uh, the earnings of migrants, for instance, and which tend to confirm this uh, this uh, this hypothesis of, uh, of uh, good uh, good information uh, uh, flow, and and also this shows you that the, again the distributions of earnings are relatively um, uh, narrow, so there is not much dispersion in the in, in these uh, in these figures. So this is uh, yeah. So this is um, this, this is reassuring for us to, to use these these, these variables. Uh, and then the first thing we are going to look at is that this this selection uh, of uh, of migrants. And as I told you, we are going to look at households before migra migration actually occurs. So identify the households. So in the 2006 data where a migrant is going to uh, leave uh, in the following years, between 2006 and 2012. So which means that we can look at this before actually any impact of migration has actually taken place. Uh, we are going to look at the wealth level of these households because in the 2006 data, this is the best measure we have of a standard of living. So it is, it's an asset-based index of, uh, of uh, income and it's a proxy for long-term income or standard of living. Uh, we, can, we can discuss that uh, later if you want. And this is what we are doing. We are looking at the distribution. So the blue line is the distribution of this wealth index among the whole population of households. So this wealth index is standardized, so it's, it's mean zero and uh, standard deviation of one. Uh, which you see in the, on the blue line. And then the red line is the distribution of wealth among uh, future migrant households, or mi households who are going to send uh, migrants in the following years. And uh, this, this gives you an idea of this, the selection taking place. And it, it, it shows you that selection is positive, which is uh, what we know from the literature. But uh, as you see, it's, it's positive in the sense that it's not really the poorest household that's, that send a migrant, but it's definitely not the richest either. It's, it's more like so the prevalence of migration is, is larger in this, in this segment, which is between minus one and zero. So between minus one standard deviation of wealth and zero. This is where the, the, the majority of migration is, is uh, taking place. So what we would call uh, probably uh, lower middle class. So this is where actually migration takes place. And the usual explanation in the literature is that uh, on one hand, the incentive to migrate is larger for the poorest households. But on the other hand, you have the migration costs that tend to, uh, to select positively on, on, uh, uh, on, on wealth. Uh, and then we can look at the same the, the distribution of wealth for the same populations after, so six years later in 2012, after migration has actually taken place. And then what you see is that the, there is a shift in the distribution of the migrant households, suggesting that there is some uh, positive impact on, on wealth for these households. So of course, there is nothing causal here, but it's just, uh, it's, uh, it's just uh, yeah, there is just, just a shift 
and we will confirm with later results that actually there is a positive significant impact on wealth um, for, for, these, uh, for these households. Uh, this is uh, focusing on rural households. This is uh, where, the, the, again, the same type of selection uh, is taking place. Um, and then uh, among, among urban households, the, the picture is quite different. The selection is much more, uh, much more positive. So we are going to distinguish uh, for these two types of, uh, of migration. So this is the first uh, leg of our uh, inequality migration relationship. Second step is uh, this model that we are going to build to estimate the potential home earnings of migrants if they have not left. So we are going to use a model for this, which is relatively standard uh, in, the, in the economic literature on this topic. Uh, basically, what we want to do is uh, estimate a model for wages at home, so in Egypt. This is the first equation where we put a standard determinant of wage. But you also want to account for selection of migrants. Um, so the fact that so, so the non-random selection of migrants and also the non-random selection into work participation in the, in, in, the, in the labor market. And so this is what the two, these two equations are for. And this, this model is estimated uh, uh, jointly. These three equations are estimated jointly with potential correlation between the error terms, meaning that you allow, the mod you allow for some uh, uh, dependence between uh, being, uh, being likely to migrate, being likely to work or not to work, and, and, and having a higher or lower expected wage. Um, we need some exclusion variables in these uh, selection variables, and in particular for the migration uh, equation, we are going to use an IV based on uh, network effects interacted with growth um, at destination. Uh, so this is um, this is a, a, a car type, shift share type of instrument where. Basically, the idea is that when growth is higher at destination, this is going to uh, uh, pull, uh, attract more migrants. And this effect will be larger in places where there is a tradition of going to that particular destination. So we are going to capture this network effect, this, this, uh, uh, yeah, this network effect with this, uh, this variable which measures the prevalence, the migration rates, at the locality destination level and interact this with the growth rates at the destination uh, at, the, at the level of destination countries focusing on the, the main destination countries um, and, and these are the estimates from the model so uh, uh, standard uh, no, 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 no big surprise here uh, the, our our uh, our ID uh, is actually working, uh, so this is the probability of no migration, so this is the, the, our exclusion variable is, is, is actually uh, explaining uh, the probability of, mig of migrating, uh, and the other results are, are, are not particularly uh, unexpected. Uh, I, I, I go fast on this because what the main interest for, for the, of this model for us is to use it as a tool to estimate this, uh, to, to, to simulate this counterfactual uh, world of no migration. The way to do this is to take again the, the estimates from the model, to draw some uh, random error terms for each migrant, 
uh, on, in the distributions uh, implied by the model. And this will give you a predicted uh, work status and a predicted wage for the migrants um, if they had not uh, migrated. Um, once we have done all this, um, we can uh, estimate this thing, which we call the net gain for a migrant, which is simply the difference between the earnings abroad of that migrant and uh, his uh, uh, counterfactual, his expected wage uh, if uh, he had stayed home. When you compute this, uh, this, uh, this variable, you get this type of result, so uh, um, a median value at 300%, meaning that the median migrant uh, has multiplied his earnings by four, basically, uh, relative to, uh, to what he would be uh, earning, uh, earning at home. So very large and overwhelmingly uh, positive gains, individual gains to, to the migrants, which is okay. what we would expect. This is probably the reason why they they migrate in the first place. How are these gains distributed? Uh, again, graphically, uh, it, it, it's, uh, it's clear this way. So here we plot the, the relative net gain. Uh, so by how much you multiply your earnings by, by, by migrating as a function of the, the expected uh, home earnings. And this shows you that there is this very uh, clear decreasing trend, meaning that, as I told you, the relative gains to migration are, are, are higher for those at, the, at the, the lower part of the distribution of earnings. So basically, low-skilled people or people who can expect low wages uh, in Egypt. And the reason, again, is that you have this wage distribution that is much more compressed at destination, so that uh, the gains, the gains are uh, uh, high-skilled people, for instance, expect to 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 to, to gain relatively less from uh, from migration. Uh, so this will tend to uh, to 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 have a, a negative and to decrease inequality in this in this population among the the, the migrants uh, themselves. Um, so, yeah, yeah, so the, the, the word, uh, correct word for this is uh, low skilled, uh, low skill transferability, which tends to uh, to disadvantage uh, relatively skilled uh, workers. Um, what about the, the impact at the household level now? Uh, I, I go back to this question, this methodological uh, question: how to compute the net gain to the household? The classic, the standard approach in the literature would be to focus on stayers, as I told you, and to do to compare these two things. So the, the, the income per capita, the household level, uh, in the, the actual uh, actual situation where migrants you take migrants out of the of the household, and compare this to the to the counterfactual scenario where everybody stays home. Um, so this 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 will be uh, this will tend to to, to give you uh, uh, results for the gains from uh, only from the intensities, and then we our alternative approach that we propose to use is, is is this where we are going to use as we as I told you constant parameter households so the population of the household remains the same whether people migrate or not, and then we are comparing the total earnings of all household members, um, including uh, earnings abroad of migrants. 
And in doing this, we are going to, of course, account for different purchasing power, power uh, of, of earnings at destination. So we're going to use a PPB index to, to, to discount uh, these, uh, these earnings. And uh, <coughs> when doing this, so uh, here is using the standard uh, approach. So focusing on stayers only, and these are results, so computing the tail index of inequality among uh, households, origin households, um, and comparing the uh, counterfactual no migration scenario with the absurd scenario. What you see here is that, in particular, focusing on the, the high migration governor rates in Egypt, we find a positive impact on, uh, on, uh, on inequality, positive and significant. Not huge, but, uh, but positive and uh, consistent with, with uh, results from similar studies. Uh, and then when we, when we use our uh, alternative approach uh, based on uh, income per natural, uh, what we find is, is uh, the opposite result, so a declining inequality among uh, households. So a much larger uh, impact at the level, and uh, which tends to, uh, to decrease inequality uh, among households, whether we, uh, we account for, uh, for um, correcting for BVP and correcting for a much, for a, uh, larger or smaller share of non-remitted income, uh, pretty much we get this, the, the, the same results, so a, a relatively large uh, negative impact on, uh, on inequality. This is just because uh, I like uh, visual uh, uh, graphic illustration of things. So this is just how it looks like, the two distributions. Uh, so this is the constant perimeter approach. Um, and and, and uh, this is the, the, the standard uh, st approach based on stayers. And what you see that you have a range of households in this part that are impacted so that are, are, are displaced in the distribution by the impact of migration when accounting for uh, earnings abroad of migrants, but when focusing on remittances only, this impact is not there, and so the gains start higher up in this di distribution. Uh, and this is because the remittances are pretty low, among, in particular, among poor migrants and migrants from poor households. So many migrants do not remit at all, or remit relatively small uh, amounts. Uh, so that uh, when focusing on the re remittances, you get actually a pretty, uh, pretty small, uh, pretty small impacts on the on the origin household. But again, uh, so these transfer ratios are low. But then when you look at the savings ratios abroad, you find very high uh, saving rates. So it, it seems to what seems to happen is that the migrants do not remit much, but they tend to save a large, very large part of their earnings abroad, and uh, they are doing this in order to uh, either transfer later or, or return with accumulated savings. And so our argument is that if this is occurring, then these delayed uh, transfers or these, uh, these accumulated savings need to be accounted for when uh, assessing the impact uh, for the, uh, the origin household. Uh, do I have two more minutes? Uh, five minutes? Five oh, minutes? Uh, okay, so, so, so then um, so you can probably uh, question what I just said. So do, do these, do these non-remitted earnings, do they really benefit the, the origin household? 
Uh, this is something that we do, do not directly observe, so we are not sure that actually uh, what, what migrants do not remit is going to end up benefiting the migrants. This is our, our hypothesis, but uh, so we are going to test this and we are going to do this using uh, our um, the panel structure of our data. What we are going to do is to look at the households again both before and after the departure of the migrants. And we are going to look at whether the, the wealth level of these households is uh, impacted uh, by the departure of the migrants. And uh, is it impacted more when, uh, when migrants uh, return or mi when migrants uh, during migration or after the return of the migrants? Uh, uh, so, so, so we are doing this. Uh, we will again use our um, the same asset-based index of wealth as a proxy, as a measure of uh, long-term income at the household level, of standard of living, let's say. Uh, and we are going to do uh, regressions that look like this. So we are going to uh, control for uh, the initial level of wealth at the household level, as well as for a number of characteristics uh, of the structure of the household. And what we are going to ask is, is whether uh, the, the wealth level of the household in the next period, the next uh, survey wave, is going to be higher when a migrant has, uh, when a migration event has occurred. And whether a migrant, uh, whether the household has a, ma a current migrant or a return migrant, uh, so which we will, which we will capture with this migrant migration variable here. Uh, and because we are controlling for pre-migration characteristic and pre-migration wealth level, we are uh, much more safe about the risk of reverse causality because there is no. We are controlling for everything. Uh, so, 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 so the, the, the reverse rate from migration to wealth has not, uh, we, we, are, we, are good, we are safe on, on, on this. Uh, and this is how the, result, uh, the, the, the results look like. Uh, we do find that, so this is uh, only looking whether there was the departure of a migrant between the two periods without making a distinction. So we do find a significant impact on uh, wealth post-migration wealth level uh, of the household. Uh, this coefficient means that uh, it's about uh, 0.15 standard deviation increase in, uh, in wealth uh, due to, due to the, the departure of migrants. This impact is, uh, is identified both when the migrant has returned or whether he is still current at the, at the end of the period. So when we at the, the post-departure uh, period that we observe. And then when distinguishing between uh, whether uh, uh, we, are, we are looking at migrants who, uh, return migrants who were remitting during their migration spell or not, or current migrants who are remitting uh, or not, uh, we find a positive impact uh, to, to to the remittance, uh, to the fact of remitting. But we also find in some instances, in particular among the poorest households, uh, we also find that even when the migrants, the return migrants, were not remitting during the migration spell, we still find this positive 
post-migration impact on wealth, suggesting that um, I mean the only explanation we can find for this is is our hypothesis: the fact that people did not remit, but they accumulated earnings abroad, and then they returned with accumulated savings, and then this is benefiting the households, which can take the form of investment or uh, yeah, various forms of investment. But we do find we do observe a significant and, and quite large impact on on the wealth levels or the standard of living of the household after after return. So, which tends to uh, to confirm this uh, this hypothesis. Uh, yes, so this is uh, this is it basically. Thank you.